Thank you for joining us today for our River of Life podcast with Brother Bill Jenkins. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrofferville.com. That's rolcrofferville.com. Now, let's join Brother Bill Jenkins as he teaches from the Word of God. Good morning. I uh, need to tell you, for, because some of you don't know, Jenkins. I am an evangelist uh, out of the River of Life in Crawfordville, Florida. God has been so very, very good to us, and I just praise him for all that he's done. And it is, it is one of the greatest honors in my life to stand in the pulpit and to open the Word of God and to do it in front of the River of Life family. That just kind of elevates it a little bit higher. So take your Bible, if you've got one. If not, get one you can turn on. And uh, let's look at the Word of God today. We'll look at a lot of scriptures. Somebody asked me one time, why do you use so many scriptures when you preach? Well, that's very simple. God never promised He'd bless my Word. But he did say he'd bless his word. And so I believe we need to get as much of the word of God in us as possible. You'll find our scripture beginning in Romans chapter 5. We're going to look in Romans chapter 5. And then we're going to go over to 2 Corinthians and uh, chapter number 9. And we're looking at uh, this topic today. God's amazing grace. If you're a recipient of God's amazing grace, say amen. I tell you what, now, the, the more you get involved in this sermon, the shorter it'll be. The less involved you're in this sermon, well, anyway. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 19. The Bible says, moreover, the law, that's the Old Testament, entered that the offense may abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We just take a break and shout right now. Amen. I'll tell you what, if you're saved here today, dear friend, it's because of the grace of an almighty God. Ephesians chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. Ephesians 2 and 8 says, for by grace. Are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Look what he says over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 8. The Bible says, but God is able to make what? All grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That little word abound that's used here in Romans and then again in 2 Corinthians is a word that you and I would translate into our 20th century vernacular as multiply. And when he talks about, when he, uh, Romans 19, he says, the law entered that the offense might abound. He's talking about your sin. Do you understand that as an a individual, as a, born, as a person that's alive on planet earth, that from the moment you first took your first breath until the day when you'll take your last breath, every thought that you've ever had 
has been recorded in God's glory. Every vain word you ever said has been recorded in God's glory. Every evil thought has been recorded. In fact, the Word of God tells us that God is such a good bookkeeper that every deed that we do, one day we'll stand before Him and give an account. Unless God's grace and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has been applied to your life. Oh, if we confess our sins, you know what? He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, this little word, grace, I was doing a word study on it several months ago. I found that the word grace in the King James Version of the Bible is mentioned some 159 times. Of that, and this is important, of the 159 times it's found in the Bible, 122 times it's found in the New Testament. So grace is a New Testament concept. It's only mentioned four times in the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But from the book of Acts to the book of the Revelation, the readers of God's book have been brought to this thought of grace 118 times. I think God wants us to know a little bit about grace. Over and over again, God brings this thought to our mind that he is sovereign. He's the great God of glory, and he loved us enough that he manifested his grace to us in providing a sacrifice, a payment for our sin, which is his own son, Jesus Christ. Dr. Adrian Rogers, the great preacher from the pulpit in Bellevue Baptist Church, many of you can still listen to his sermons on YouTube. He said this. He said, of all of the words in the Word of God, the most beautiful word in the Bible other than Jesus is this word grace. But what is grace? Grace is the prodigal son returning to the father's house expecting rejection and servitude only to find forgiveness and rejoicing and being received as a son. What is grace? Grace is the soul of Taurus, the persecutor of Christians, a murderer crying out to the Lord on the Damascus road and finding that even a murderer can still find abundant grace to cover all his sin. If you could see what I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, I know that you would see a miracle of love that brought me safely to this place and made me what I am today just an old sinner saved by grace oh hey marvelous grace of our loving Lord grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. 
yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. The admonition for our day, the invitation for our day, found in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 16. The Bible says, let us, therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I want to introduce you this morning to somebody that probably, if, unless you're a student of the Word of God, you probably don't know him. His name is Manassas. He's raised in a godly home. He's one of the most, uh, his daddy is one of the most godly kings that ever reigned over Judah and Jerusalem. In fact, he single-handedly started a, a revival in the nation of Israel that would turn Israel from the throne room to the peasant house. He would turn Israel back to God. God so blessed this man named Hezekiah, so worthy was he walking before God that when the prophet came and said, God has said, you're going to die, Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and began to pray and said, God, just remember how I've lived. And before the prophet could leave the building, God said, you go back and tell that man because of the way he's loved me and lived for me, I'm going to give him 15 more years. That's a godly man. Somebody say amen right there. But unfortunately, in that 15-year period of time, there was a boy born to this man in his old age. And at 12 years of age, he becomes king in Hezekiah's place. His story is found in 2 Chronicles 33, and it's important that I read you a passage of Scripture. The Bible begins in verse number 1, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And by the way, that's the longest reign of anyone after King Solomon. God put up with this man a long time. The Bible says in verse number 2, He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abomination of the heathen, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah his father had broken down. He reared up altars for Balaam. He made groves and he worshipped all the host of heavens and served them. He built altars in the house of the Lord. Whereof the Lord had said in Jerusalem shall my name be forever. Altars to false gods. He built altars for all the host of heavens and in the two courts of the house of the Lord. Verse number 6 is very important. Don't miss this. He caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. So vile and so wicked is this man that he would take his children 
and offer them as a sacrifice to a pagan god by throwing them alive into a burning fire until the fire consumed the body of his children. The Bible goes further. He used enchantments. He used witchcraft. He dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. He set up a carved image, the idol of which he had made in the house of God, of which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all of the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land from which I have appointed to your fathers, so that they will take heed to do all that I commanded them, according to the whole law and the statutes and ordinance by the hand of Moses. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err. The king literally undid everything his father had done in bringing Israel back to God. And to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people. But they would not hearken. Again, 2 Kings 21, verse number 9. The Bible says, And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than did all the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the children of Israel. 2 Kings 21, verse number 11. Because Manasseh, king of Judah, hath done these abominations and hath done wickedly above all that the Amorites did, which were before him, and he hath made Judah also to sin with his idols. Again, Second Chronicles 33, 6. I can't get this out of my mind. How could a father do this? He caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Second Kings 21, verse 16. The Bible records, moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much. Listen to this. Till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to the other. Besides his sin, wherewith he made Judah to sin in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Jeremiah 15 and 4. And I will cause them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. Because of Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for that which he did in Jerusalem. I've read you all those scriptures because I'm painting you a picture. This is one of the most vile, wicked men that lived during his day and time. You cannot think of an atrocity. You cannot think of an abomination. You cannot think of a sin. You cannot think of a trespass. You cannot think of anything so vile and wicked that he would not do and gladly do against the great God of glory. I'm going to share something with you this morning. I hope you are. you listening? No sin ever escapes the gaze of our God. Numbers 32, 23, the Word of God makes this statement, be sure 
your sin will find you out. Well, preacher, that's Old Testament. We're in the New Testament. Well, I'm glad you are. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he also shall reap. He shall also reap. And if he sows to the flesh, to the desire of this life and this world and the dictates of the world in which surrounds him, he shall of the flesh reap destruction. That's what your Bible says. Satan always promises the palaces. And he always pays off in fool's gold and paste pearls. Because of the sin of Manassas. A soul that is bound to sin, it is bound to suffer. And so the word of God says in 2 Chronicles 33... And verse number 12. And he was in affliction. He besought the Lord his God. And he humbled himself greatly. What? This person that was so vile. This person that was so wicked. This person that was living for the moment. For the hour. He was grabbing all the gusto out of life. This person that... that, that, that could care less about God? What happened? Because of his great sin, God allowed the Assyrians and the Babylonians to come. And they took Manassas. They put a ring in his nose like you do a hog. They drug him through the briars and the thorns. Until he was greatly afflicted. They took him all the way to Babylon. He's beaten and tortured. Until finally in the darkness. He remembers a God. That his daddy served. And the word of God says. And I hope you get this. He humbled himself greatly. And I tell you this, you'll never strut into the repentance of the grace of God. You'll never come to a place where you'll stand up and say, God, it really wasn't my fault. It's that woman you gave me. That's what Adam did. God, it is not my fault, you know. It was the way I was raised, you know. When, when I was three years old, they wouldn't let me throw the food off my, my high chair. And I've been afflicted ever since, Lord. It's the way I was raised. We've got 10,000 excuses for doing what we do. The truth is, dear friend, you sin because you want to. You make a choice every day of your life. It's either God or the world. You can't serve both. You can't walk down the middle of the road. You can't walk the, the, the top of the, the railing on the, on the fence. You've got to either serve God or you've got to serve the Word. You can't do both. And so the Word of God says, just like the prodigal son in the hog pen, he came to himself. And he humbled himself greatly. And then this word. And then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. 
What's the lesson? Twice in the New Testament, we're told, study the Old Testament. Because as God dealt with those people, God's going to deal with us today. Here's the lesson. Are you ready? Doesn't matter who you are. And it does not matter what you've done. Where sin abounds, God's grace does much more abound. If God can forgive Manassas. Oh, oh by, let me just say this quickly. Just because God forgave his sin didn't undo what his sin did. Can you imagine laying in your bed at night and hearing the screams of your children that you cast into a burning fire? I believe it haunted him every day of his life. And the consequences of your sin remain. But your sin doesn't have to. You can come before a holy God just like Manasseh did. You can humble yourself before him. And say, God, I'm sorry. And with a repentant heart, cry out to a holy God. Brother Bill, ain't nobody knows what I've been doing. Yes, they do. Your Bible says in John chapter 2 and verse 25 that he needeth, talking about God, he needeth not that any would testify of man because he knows what's in man. You bring it home to you? He knows what you're thinking about your son-in-law. <laughs> he knows what you said, but he knows what was in your heart. He knows every waking hour because he loves you that much. And his desire is to bless you and to strengthen you. And to lift you up. But dear friend, he cannot do it. As long as you allow sin to remain in the vessel. And so you and I. Just like Manassas. Oh, by the way, I called him the worst sinner. Oh, no, no. All of us. Are the worst sinners. The Apostle Paul referred to himself as the chiefest of sinners. We go before God. We pray, God, please, let the abounding grace of your glory cover me. Forgive me for what I've done. And for many sitting in this room, God, please forgive me for what I did not do. Did he hear the prayer of Manassas? Here's what your Bible says. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 21. Ephraim, Manassas, Manassas, Ephraim. They together shall be against Judah. For his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. I had the privilege of raising two children. Uh, our son is now with the Lord, our daughter, uh, is uh, living in Perry. They've gone through the hurricane. Thank you for your prayers. 
in all of my life as a parent. I had some days when I got mad with them. I, I know they were my children, and it's hard for me to grab a hold of this, but they were not perfect. And there was days, whoo, glory. But there was never a day when Chris or Laura, I'm talking about when I was so mad, my head would fry an egg. <laughs> you wouldn't believe some of the stuff they did. Especially that hard-headed boy I had. But there was never a day when my son or my daughter raise their hand and say, Daddy, I don't care how mad I was. I'd reach down and I'd pick them up and I'd love them because they were mine. Are you his today? You see, if you're his, Daddy, I, I blew it. <laughs> I said I wasn't ever going to do that again. But I did. I'm so sorry. There'll never be a day when as you you're because you're his child, that you'll reach up your hands and you won't find him reaching down, saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins would be a scarlet, I'll wash you whiter than snow. Come, come unto me. Cast your care upon me. I care for you. Father God, in Jesus' name, I ask you to put your blessing upon this sermon. I ask you, Lord God, to use it. There's some folks in here, God. I believe that they are here for a divine appointment and that, God, you've already been speaking to their heart. And what they need to do more than anything else, just like Thanasis in the Old Testament, they need to come and humble themselves greatly before you, confessing their sin, repenting of their sin, and crying out for forgiveness. And for all who will come, they'll find your arms wide open. I believe that there are people in this building today that if you were really honest with yourself, you would not say that you are a child of God. You know that there's never been that time when you were birthed into the family of God. You don't have to have your wife or your husband tell you that. You know it. The Holy Spirit of God has convicted you of the fact that you've never truly been saved. And today, you have the opportunity to walk down a church aisle, to, 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 to unload all that you're carrying at the feet of Jesus. And say, Father, please, save me a sinner. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us 
at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.